I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc., all one word. That's K I N D P H A R M S I N C. And their website is kindfarmsinc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today, my guest is the amazing, the iconic, and the New York City legend, Brian Newman. Brian Newman is a jazz musician, someone who makes a living in the business as a performer, as a band leader. You know him as Lady Gaga's band arrangement leader. Also, he is such an amazing frontman and so charismatic. I first met him through his residency here in New York at the Gramercy Park Hotel, and I became so amazed at his presence that I got inspired to focus on my own career because this guy was so charismatic. I'm so excited for you guys to hear his story and how this guy from Cleveland became this New York and Vegas icon. Here it is. Brian Newman, welcome to An Actor's Ah, uh, Mr. Perez, so glad to be here, man. Dude, Thanks I'm for having me. Dude, I'm such a big fan of you, man. You know, I, I discovered you through, obviously, our mutual friend, Patrick Clark, and you've been doing jazz at Gramercy Park since 2011? Yeah, is that we've been right? there a long time. We left the Oak Room at the Plaza when they closed. We, last night, they were ever open, and we went to Gramercy about a couple weeks later, and we've been there ever since, twice yeah, it's a week. A, it's hard to believe. I was 21 then, so yeah. come in, you know, taking Adderall. I'm drinking like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> but man, you're like, watching your showmanship and your, and your music, like you're you're one of the best of all time that I've seen as a as a as a front man, as a singer, as a songwriter, as a trumpet player. It's so inspiring. And you know, I often talk about in this podcast about finding your voice, and I'm really curious to ask about that. But I'm also like I feel like and I really I don't want to get too existential here, but I feel like music is dead and it's so inspiring watching you do it in so many ways. I, I I've never said this to you personally, but you've inspired me to stay on my career because it's oh, just man. been well, so amazing you. to watch you shine. And it's like wow, if, if you you really stick with this you can you can do it whatever it is you know acting music you know and it's been so amazing watching your journey man. oh man thanks man well, I, you know it's real kind of you to say all that stuff <laughs> I, I don't i don't know if, I, if all of that's true it's but, all um, true <laughs> but, uh, but um you know I, I i do think sticking with it is a big big thing and even once you're once you feel like you know if you feel like you've made it anywhere you're not anywhere i don't know because you know, then I'm, you become complacent yeah and you just yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm never satisfied i always want more i always want not want more i want to be a better musician i want to be a better entertainer i want to be a better better uh, conveyor of the tradition of this American music and, and just to be and, and it makes me happy to say that you know that when you say stuff like that because that, that makes it all worth it for me it's about the audience I, I don't like 
talking about it in a, as, as, an, as an art form or, you know, I'm an entertainer. That's what I do. We make, you know, we make music to make people forget about yeah. what's going on or to enhance what's already going on in their lives or, you know, just to make their lives better in some way if possible. And that's really like, that's my number one goal at all times. Well, you, you've certainly achieved it, man. And I'm, I, I know the best is yet to come. Oh, I mean, you got thanks, your Vegas man. residency and then yeah. Stars Born with Gaga. That song was amazing. And oh, then Showboat. Thanks, I love the record, man. Oh, thanks, Eyes man. in the City. Thank but you. before we get into the work, so yeah. you grew up in Cleveland? Cleveland, Ohio, yeah. How was there. that? That was cool, man. A lot of great jazz Are musicians you a there. Man? I, I was until they left the first time. Like, oh, you know, to Baltimore? Yeah. yeah. My, my dad, we didn't have a lot of bread, but you know, my dad would take me to sit in the dog pound when we could. Oh, yeah, the dog pound. You know, you were I've like, there. <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah. you know, man, three yeah. three pairs of long johns and hand warmers. Totally. And, so what did your parents do, man? Uh, my dad was in, my dad was always a salesman. You know, he, he, oh. he sold, sold shoes and furniture when I was growing up. And then or a little bit later in my life, he got into selling like uh, investments and stuff like that. So my mom, my mom was an accountant, did the books for him and, and, uh, you know, did the books for a couple of the companies oh. in, in Menor. And so neither were artists. No, not really. No, no. We just, my, my grandfather was, a, was really into music. Um, but I don't, that was an influence, but I wouldn't say that that was like the, the driving influence for me yeah. to get into music. But when I started playing trumpet, um, you know, in like sixth grade, around seventh or eighth grade, I was goofing off in class and concert band. I was goofing off in concert band and I started, was like, I basically was improvising. I didn't know that at the time, but I was like playing over the band. You know, like, and I kept getting in trouble for it. So finally, one of the day, you know, the director who was great, Tim Yole, took me into his office and asked me, you know, he, he scolded me first. And, you know, and he was like, you know, you should try this jazz program in the summertime. And when I tried that, I was just like, oh, man, I can. It taught me how to improvise and, you know, to learn the blues and, and stuff like that. And then I was just really into it. And he gave me records and I started wow. booking booking shows at coffee houses with some of the other guys that were in that class, uh, you know, in seventh, eighth grade. And I, ever since then, I've always wanted to be a New York City musician. Do you feel like since that summer program was that? This is what I want to do absolutely, with my life. I absolutely, man. I wow. changed the whole course of everything. I, I feel like I, you know, I was into skateboarding. I was into snowboarding. I was into, you know, uh, no effects and, and Nirvana. Yeah, no and like every, every, yeah. we were all into the came that kind of stuff. And I still am, but, um, Guar, you know, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, I love, yeah, I love rock yeah, and roll. Yeah. I, you know, that's a huge part of my, my, my influence, Same. you know, but, um, as soon as I started playing jazz, I, I really just focused on that and, you know, kind of just like you spent every, every second trying to get better at that, even though many doors were just closing on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, you just kind of like everyone was saying, no, you can't do it. Not my parents, but uh, teachers and things like that. It was just never really the easy. The practicality of people in Cleveland, they don't know about right, the... Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Are you going to go to college? What are you going to do? Are yeah. you, you going to go to college for music or you know whatever? I, I was last chair in jazz band um, in high school, like 10th grade. And I asked the band director, I, I said, what do I have to do to get in the top jazz band? And there was two jazz bands at the time. so Like, like a JV and a varsity Basically. Yeah. Was, I was like eighth chair yeah. in the jazz band and uh, he, was, he just said, nothing, you'll never be a jazz musician. The way that I took it was, yeah, he was an asshole. He made me cry, ruined my whole, my whole day. You kind know? of that whip Flash approach. At first, yeah, at yeah. first, but then at the at the end of the day, I um, you know, I went home to my parents and thank God they were like uh, supportive and they yeah. allowed me to transfer schools to a place where it would be a little more welcoming to me wanting to play music and and be. So we wow. did. So within a week, I was I was in another school and play, and I didn't get to play because in, you knew that you were going to make that yeah, happen. I wanted, well, I just I knew that I wasn't going to. I didn't know what it was going to happen, but I knew that I wasn't going to get anywhere where I was. Oh. There was like a thousand kids in my graduating class. Like it was gigantic. Men are men are public high school. 
Did you go to a performing arts or a music school? No, it was just a public school. I, I only went to I went to public school my whole life until Same. until I transferred to this Notre Dame Cathedral Latin for halfway through tenth grade, eleventh and twelfth grade. So you know, thank God, you know, my parents had the, the means to to let me go there and That's and nice. um and just just give give me the support and give me the extra outside lessons. And my dad would drive me to shows where I'd play with psychobilly bands or rockabilly back in like the mid nineties when that swing craze was really yeah. big. Like my dad would take me to the grog shop, drop me off. One time he dropped me off for for um, sound check and one of these guys he was a Chet Baker impersonator I was 14 mind you and I, I he was like oh you're playing trumpet he didn't play trumpet he wanted me to get up on stage so I, I got up on stage I said oh, we'll, yeah I would love to play a tune with you we played I forget what it was one of the Chet Baker tunes I'd fall in love too easily or something yeah. like that then after the thing after we get, he gets off stage and he's like hey man can you give me a hand with a second it's a grown man and I'm 14 he said and I, th- I think because I'm naive and, and he, he, sa- he says I think he needs help with gear so he walks me back towards the bathroom and then we get in the bathroom and he says watch the door and then he starts pulling out his bag to shoot up no way like yeah. the whole thing like a spoon and oh my god and I, I had read miles davis autobiography i had known what that was yeah. and i did not want to be anywhere near that bullshit totally so i i was just like man i can't do this and i walked out and and um you know and like then i sat in with him that night and how terrible he sounded and just like he was uh, great in the beginning of the day and it was yes. so cool and then just the deteriorate deterioration of it, yeah. it by the time at 10 o'clock came it was just i didn't tell my parents about that till like 30 years after <laughs> no way. because they would have never let yeah, me go and do another gig again but i played a lot of shows i did a lot of cool things in cleveland and, and it, it, it afforded me the opportunity and and lit a fire under my ass to to want to get out there and work harder and do do more things and get on the hustle i guess that's the point of the story with the band director and getting into music and, and i'm and, curious man because i obviously the demographic of people that listen to the show are artists usually yeah. and for those that are struggling and, and do have knocks like that how did you not get disillusioned by having a t tell you it'll never happen oh uh, like, man i'm not gonna lie you know it, 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 it hurts and you know even it was even harder when i moved to new york in the first you know but i think you know you either take it one or two ways you either you either get butt hurt and go cry about it which you can do that too but at the end of the day you got to make that decision to, for yourself to to get back out there and get back on the horse and and go harder or or you know it's either it's either oh my god they're so right or i know who i am i'm gonna do what i want to do and that was always me no matter what Still, I always do what I want to do. I mean, not I have kids, yeah, I have a daughter course. and a yeah. wife now, yeah, yeah. so that I do what they want me to do. But as far as music and and things like that, I I, I try to you know cultivate things that, that that I love to do and then the things that I want to do, not 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 bring negativity in. And you said you read Miles Davis's autobiography, but I'm curious because like it's so hard to describe this to people now because you and I and Raul, my producer, encountered it. But for the generation that came after this, they don't know. Like we didn't grow up with YouTube or Spotify. To me, like liner notes were like the you buy a new record you'd be like listen i'd read the rhino notes while i listen to the record wow. like the first time like and that's just such so lost and that's why i think you know the, the spotify it's great but it's also you know it's like something it's, beautiful it's, it's our own it, beast it, you yeah. know what i mean it's like it's like you know technology is amazing but it's like it's not quite human so who was who was curating brian's playlist like how were you discovering these artists you know of, of, of an old age teachers were given to me like you know what i mean and then that just opened up a, a drive for me to go to the record store and you know and there was a lot of great record stores in cleveland you know i get i would get vinyl or i go to the used CDs for a dollar. You get jazz and you could ask the guy. You know, I would ask the record guy. I was like, hey, what's good? Or I would buy all the miles. I'd buy whatever I could afford. I would just buy every week. I would go and spend money on records and, and just reading and learning. And, you know, it's like I would bring home like parental advisory and my parents would like 
throw it out but like <laughs> then they buy me miles davis's book and it's yeah. like motherfucker and sex and drugs yeah. and you know what i mean like so it, it, it didn't really uh do anything to you know but I, but i learned a lot and then know? since we spoke about it growing up with like the rock and roll hall of fame there like did yeah. that instill an idea of like being able to do this it wasn't there until maybe like the last like two or three years of when i lived there i, f- I moved out of cleveland in 99 and then um i went to college in cincinnati but i feel like there was one i remember we went down to my dad had bought a brick like donated a brick to put in like the thing and i remember i had my walkman and i had a metallica the black album in my walkman and it dropped and the tape fell down so somewhere underneath the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is my Metallica no tape. Yeah, I, always, you I love that story. When you got to tell yeah, that story. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. That's so rad, man. So then you went to Cincinnati, and were you going to like a Berkeley equivalent? Yeah, it was like a, it was a conservatory, you know, and it was it was it was a great school. I went there to study with this guy, this trumpet teacher, Brad Good, and um, that you sought out. He had taught at some of the summer jazz camps in Cleveland. That was okay. a big thing. Like I, in the summer times, I would go to play with like I don't know. They called it an all star band. There was one on the west side and one on the east side. So like the best of kids from those played in these big bands go to summer camp and you'd have like louis belson or kenny garrett or like these special guests that would come and 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 brad was one of the teachers he invited me to go to cincinnati and see the thing and and um and it was great it was a cool great school i felt at home when i got there and and it was a good it was a good run man did you graduate or i did not graduate no i didn't graduate i i left when when brad um moved to to colorado but you know that's another thing like i get all the way to the end of the college thing and like he's the only one that didn't pass me on my board to graduate no way. So I was just like, it's another, another just like slam. You know yeah. what I mean? Where you're, where you're just like, you know, I'm just like, okay, fine. Well, then you're going to teach in Colorado. So why, why, why do we even, why, why would you fail me? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, albeit I was not the best student. And, and conservatory music, is that like 40 hours a week of just yeah, playing? Yeah, it's like five days a week, 8 a.m. Yeah. music theory, 9 a.m. music history. And then you would practice. Did you, do you like academia? Did you? I, I was not a big fan of yeah. it. You know what I mean? I, I was a big fan of, of, of the musicians that were in Cincinnati. Yeah. And like, I was hanging out at night. There there was a great club called the Blue Wisp Jazz Club, and um, it was just they at the time they served minors, and it's long closed now. I didn't know a lot of the stuff was going on there, but the musicians were incredible. It was like a lot of the guys that that, that were on the road bands, and you know, back in the day, and then they settled back in Cincinnati and came home. Wow. But they were just incredible, and that was where I learned ninety percent of what 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 I do today is like just from from soaking it up from older guys that had yeah. done it and played the ghost shows, just and, being a sponge in that room. Yeah, because I yeah. remember even some of the other teachers at college were like, you know, upset with me that I was working so much you know that i was out hanging and yeah. and that i also had my own gigs you know i always had a, a steady gig somewhere you know i played at a coffee house the first year every every monday or wednesday or something like that and then the, when that dried up they closed i moved down the block like I, i've always tried to have uh that's a, a big thing. survival yeah, yeah. And just and, and, a, and a calling card yeah. you know what i mean it's like when you see people you're just like they're like oh hey what are you up to man you know like you're playing anywhere you just be like yeah every monday here or like i right, love that every tuesday every thursday at the gramercy park hotel yeah so i say that that a million times you know what i mean like that always just always having that place so that even someone that sees you six months ago you read on the street six months ago says you're here they finally show up or they tell their friends about it or you know it's all word of mouth even with the internet today you still it's still still, need that component you need that word of mouth man you need somebody to say that it's good not like anonymous comments you know yeah Yeah. totally man totally and so then you get in that car was it a movie scene you just pack your bags and you're going to new york you knew no one i i i I rented a u-haul i was dating a 
girl at the time. We moved up together. Wow. Not the smartest move, but I needed a roommate. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if I thought about it at the time. I think I was young and stupid. Um, but um, so this is like 2000, 2001? 2003. I 2003. Think it was, yeah, 2003. We moved. We moved. We moved here in the summertime. I got here in July. Wow. Like uh, you know, five hundred bucks in a U-Haul. Where did you? Where did you? What neighborhood? I lived on Flushing and Knoll in Bushwick. Wow. Yeah. It was a rough neighborhood back, back when then. Bushwick was yeah, Bushwick, was, yeah. not artisanal mayonnaise. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. My Sam Mason owned. Yeah. My buddy Sam Mason started that. Oh, it's so funny. That's amazing. Yeah, we moved there. I was there. We it was eleven hundred bucks for a two bedroom. Wow. Um, and Even now, that still is pretty expensive. And I'm sure yeah, you inflated it. Was, it it was know. expensive then. I mean, yeah. for me, I was like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to make this rent. And um, you know, so me. Did you and, have a lump sum you came with? Or? I came with five hundred bucks, so I know I needed to make. And I had I had first and last security deposit paid, so wow. I had that money saved. I got some money from my parents, and um, but not money really to spend there. I had money. They helped me out with the rent for those first three months or whatever. Not I me mean, for the first first and last security deposit. Yeah. Anyway, so so like I just started beating the street. You know, it was August or July, and I remember just getting my suit on and walking. Well, I walked around the city for like two weeks. Wow. I didn't have a resume. You know what I mean? I was just I just tried to get any job. Yeah, I worked in restaurants. I worked I worked at this place called Agave and, and the West Village. And yeah, and that, that, was, that made it a long time. That's still there. Oh, yeah, is it? yeah, I think it's yeah. still there. But yeah. but um. I worked there because it was, it was, I mean, I took it. I don't, I didn't took it. I took it. I would have taken anything, but it was in the heart of the jazz community in West, the West Village at the time. And there's a lot of those clubs are still there, but they were were different. You know, what's that that iconic one? The smalls. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, that was still B, that was BYOB when I was still, when I was here, when I moved here. So you, you would go there, pay 10 bucks and you could bring a six pack and you didn't have to be 21. I was 21 at the time, but we'd been there a lot and it was just, and that was cool for me to be in that neighborhood. But yeah, just that hustle, man. And then I worked at a moving company i worked for a film car company as a back waiter I, yeah i did i worked in restaurants i was a general manager just a regular manager at a, at a steakhouse you know what i mean it was just it was just crazy and then your life started to change you you got a job at saint jerome's i got right? a job at saint jerome's which was like uh kind of like the lit lounge of the lower east side yeah it was yeah. a place that i was hanging out at a lot oh and, wow and um my friend drew mendenhall lived, worked there uh he was from menor and we had grew up playing playing jazz together and he told me about this bar that he was working at and I started going down there while well, I was at the time I was managing a BLT Prime which is not now closed and I would always go down there in a suit and I was always the guy in the suit but I was also always partying my ass off yeah yeah and um, just got to know everybody down there and Gaga was the uh, Gaga Lady had, Gaga <laughs> she, she was the go-go dancer and Stephanie was her Stephanie, yeah, yeah, yeah Stephanie I called Stephanie but I'm Lady Gaga was her so. stage yeah, <laughs> yeah but it was her stage name yeah, so yeah. her and Lady Starlight would DJ and, and go-go dance and, and I was a bartender I was just hanging out at the time and then when I put in my two weeks at the BLT Prime. The, my buddy down there called me and asked me if I wanted a job there on Sunday. So I took that. and Just um, one shift a week? One shift a week. And then I quit the other job. And then I was playing some gigs, but I wasn't making, you know, 100 bucks a night, 50 bucks a night playing Not gigs. Not that Rose Bar money. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It was a struggle for a long time in New York City. It was definitely like always waiting for rent or, you know, trying to... I've sold trumpets, uh, you know what I mean? Donated blood, uh, you know, yeah. like, like to really like... Uh, I've done everything to stay in this city, you know, without having to Keep donate your kidneys on the yeah, black market. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would <laughs> but dump- you would have. <laughs> so how did you stay like in the creative field while, you know, doing these things that weren't fulfilling you creatively? When you live in New York City, most people have yeah. to work a 40-hour week job doing something they don't love yeah. in order to pursue what it is they do love. Yeah. You know, I bartend on Broadway. I'm, you yeah. had all those. How did you stay 
like inspired. Oh man, there was it was dark times sometimes. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like you know I drank a lot sometimes. You know, there's definitely points where I wasn't playing and I was like just working at the restaurant yeah. and like it wasn't getting calls for things. There was nothing on Craigslist. You know what I mean? There was like just just you get you get beat down, man. But yeah. like I like, had to put myself coffee out of shop that. equivalent here. You know, I yeah, no, like, now you have Rose Bar, but then like did I you have at, anywhere? I that- played at Jules Bistro. I had a Sunday brunch there, wow. and then but I would leave there at three at, at bartender BLT Fish on 17th Street by three. 30 um every sunday so i'd play like one 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 to three thirty, and and i and and i remember we lost that gig because the guys that were in the band would stay while i was gone and kept drinking and they what? like ended up ended up fucking the gig for <laughs> yeah. us so i lost that gig that was my first gig in new york and yeah. i was playing a lot of play with a 10-piece hip-hop band for a while i played klezmer gigs i played weddings bands i played i mean shit i would take i took anything i would literally take any gig that you would give me, I didn't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just wanted to be out there meeting people. I played with DJs. I hated that. That's yeah, like, I'm that's, sure that's awful. It's like, I don't know why people do even like do that. Clubs or, yeah, yeah. Night clubs, like yeah. late night, like uh, we played like Cielo and like, man, I played some hip back in the day when it was still like no social media. And yeah. like, it was like still celebrities like getting fucked up and doing like, blow. <laughs> yeah. Like crazy stuff like that. Yeah. Like I've seen some nutty shit in yeah. those clubs, but, um, yeah, I just would do anything. And then just, just, but I always wanted to be here and I knew I couldn't give up, you yeah. know, and I still feel the same way you can't give up i even though i have a family to feed now it's 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 more about them than it is me now but it's still um you know i still have a lot of work to go and i want to do lots more shit you know lots more stuff and so then as you're working in st jerome's that place ended up closing when was lady gaga's first record that was like 2007 i moved here in 2008 right that was about the time i think i'm not sure when it was yeah but it was around that time when she has that kind of success and it's one of your closest friends that can go two ways you know when i'm an actor and i see friends that make it it can be like fuck yeah or it can be like keep going yeah blinders yeah it, yeah yeah i mean she, she was uh, she was in la so we didn't we didn't see her for a while oh, like, wow. so it wasn't really like right away we started working together yeah. again like she came back at one point and like you know late night asked me uh if i wanted to do the today show with her and of course i said yes and then i didn't hear anything about it so yeah. i didn't know it was happening or not first she's always good on her word and even now today like everything I, you know i've never asked her for anything but every time she asked me to do something it it, it happens yeah. you know what i mean so it's like that was the beginning of the french of the not the friendship but the musical friendship yeah because she had saw, she had come down and sat in with me at at the Dwayne park yeah. when i was playing down there and uh and she sat in there for the first time and i think it's the first time she really heard us because wow. we had only known each other you know i saw her at the slipper room a couple times we went to the, this this played a couple clubs we went to well right when she was tr- trying to get the record deal and uh you know she was always amazing but we didn't know each other in that musical way then the camaraderie was built later the, well, musically, the brother, musically, yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah, we were yeah. just we were friends, yeah. and um, so she started sitting in with us. She would come down and hang out every once in a while. Once every couple of months, would come to New York and come to the Oak Room or the Dwayne Dwayne Park or and, you know Rose Bar. She's been there a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, now Vegas. Every time I yeah. miss it, what yeah, the fuck? I know, I know. I can't, I can't, I can't promote it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be crazy down yeah. there. So, at what point did you form your band? Like you said, you were ahead of three people at one point. Now you're up to seven. Yeah. When did the band start, or the idea at least, to like, I got to start a band? I've always been loyal and tried to have my own. I mean, not tried. I've always had my own band. Like, I've always been the piano player, our piano player, Alex Smith and Steve Cortica. I've been playing with them since 99. We wow. met We met in college. No way. We, we kind of moved to New York at different times. But, yeah. um, you know, we had always, you know, me and Steve had always had a great connection. And me and Alex had always, we didn't really, we had a great connection musically. We kind of drifted apart. But when we came back to New York, it was me and Alex playing 
playing duo gigs. We played at Agave and just hustling, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Just, just getting out there. But, but yeah, so, so Steve and Alex are still in the band. We had a great drummer, Nolan Bird, uh, who's been with us about a year and Daniel Foose on bass has been with us about three or four years. So, you know, we, we've had some changes, some personnel changes over the years that have been tough, some more tough than others. You know what I mean? Totally. When did the switch happen from you having to do all these survival jobs still like, yeah, or, yeah. or start to happen? Yeah. You know, was it a gradual thing or did it? It was kind of like when we, when we started having, uh, you know, we were at an oak room on Wednesdays and so we how were did at, that, how did that come together? My friend, uh, uh Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Agron, um, he was he was a bartender at BLT Steak, and then he, we were managers together at BLT Prime, and then he moved to the Oak Room. He was a bartender there, and the chef was looking for music, and he called me. So know? oddly, these hospitality jobs helped the um, music. I mean, and honestly, man, I'm just I'm still I'm just a glorified bartender. I don't think any, no man no I for mean, real you, man. I, I get it for yeah. real. It's yeah. a, there's no there's nothing different than me and then hospitality with me playing music and and being behind a bar. There's no I really don't see any difference. And it, and it, honestly, it's like. The bar thing, when I had to stop doing the bar, I, I still was doing shifts all the Fridays and Saturdays. I would bartend, you know, and just, just to cover and make some cash. Okram didn't pay. Okram paid 350 and we had three it's guys in the, the band. honor to kind of play. We played there, yeah. you know, like all the gigs were still paying the same. This, it's a problem for musicians still because still the gigs only pay right. a certain amount. There's for, a cap. For sidemen, there's a cap on that. And in New York, it's really tough. But so you get the Oak Room gig and I, yeah. I, did that open a world up musically too? Totally. To and, and that's the same thing too. It's like when we were talking about having a place to play all the time. Yeah. It's like I would get my business card out every day, right. every every time we were playing there. And then, you know, one out of every 10 or every hundred people would book me for a private party. And, and there's some was, heavy hitters coming through there. And, I mean, that's like and old it was New York. Good, man. It was, it was cool like that. And even at other places, it's just just all about networking and meeting people and just getting getting yourself out there in a positive way. We, we didn't have to change the content ever. And throughout all these years, were you always writing music? I, I, was, I always try to. Yeah. You know what I mean, we play mostly other people's music. I write, I write, we write arrangements. You know what I mean? The band and I write certain arrangements on older songs. And, Got it. And we kind of change the vibe a little bit. But yeah, I love writing. I love writing tunes, man. I love, it's been a little harder lately. I haven't had time to really buckle down. We've been playing so much. We got, yeah, we're just, we're just, I, I love that. I love writing music. So talk to me about Eyes on the City. I mean, I imagine you had things before that, but those are yeah. the things that I can access online. Yeah. So what, how did this come together? Eyes on the City was, that was a, that was, a, we did a live record at the Oak Room the last night they were ever open. Wow. And that was that was called Live in Live in New York City. And then and then a couple years later we made another album with Dave Bennett. Um and, and it was just it was just great. We had all these great songs. Tommy London wrote a lot of the songs yeah. for it. Um you know we had a couple of mine on there. You know, it was just and and the arrangements from the band were just just Good. I, I, I'm real. I love that record. That's yeah. a, that's a great record. It is a great record. Wow. Yeah, thank you, man. And 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 how is it navigating like the jazz? You know, it's it's hard enough to be a rock and roll. You know, especially with like majors and indies. Like, what was the terrain like navigating that? Did you do it yourself at first? Because like, uh, yeah, we did that ourselves yeah. at first. Yeah, for Eyes on the City was not was not on a, not on a label. So we just we did that. I did that on CD Baby, and wow. you know what I mean. And, and the thing is, nobody's really listening to CDs like we were talking about earlier, Spotify and stuff like that. So now it's like something to sell when we're like playing in Vienna, Virginia or playing in the wolf trap, the wolf trap. Yeah. Or like we're playing, you know, we're playing somewhere like that or yeah. we're in Delaware or, you know, or in Vegas. So we can sell, we can sell CDs, but that's, that's the place where we're really selling. I don't sell much online anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not that market. No, you know? it's no. Crazy. Spotify's taken over that. Yeah. You know? And yeah. do you feel like in some ways that's kind of been 
good for musicians? Or, because there's know. so much access now yeah. that a lot of the good stuff, I feel like, can get diluted down just because of the volume. I think so, too. But people say that, too. But I think there's always been that that level of, like, bubblegum music in our industry. Right. So it's like, no matter what year, like, every generation is going to say that about the last generation. Totally. You know, so yeah. it's like... I, I, it makes you sound old, bitter. Yeah, yeah. kind of. So, yeah. I, I, there, listen, there's room for everybody. I think, yeah, Spotify has changed the game. It's made it easier to listen to music. I, I fucking love it. I can listen to whatever I want to listen to. Yeah. I don't I don't know how much the record companies are doing yeah. any anymore. You know totally. what I mean? Especially with jazz. And that's why I don't really I don't really care for the word. I don't really know the genre. It's like it's I don't know. Jazz musicians are so clicky and and uh I never felt at home in yeah. the jazz community, really. I just always felt like a little bit on the outside of it, you know, and and that really just not that it rubbed me the wrong way, but I just felt like that the music's not for it's for the people that you're making it for. It's not for you. Once once something gets turned into into art. You know, you, you're you're artifying. I know that's not a word. But you're you you, no. you you're artifying it or whatever whatever you want to call it. It's not. I don't know how to describe it. It's just it's it's the I'd authenticity rather, of it. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I feel like yeah. a lot of musicians, you shoot yourself in the foot. You're not you're not you're not playing for your audience. You're playing for any audience. You know what I mean? It's probably why you don't have one. Yeah, you need to. You can be yourself. You don't have to change the content, but you just have to put it out there in a way that that resonates with people. Uh, the plaza is closing down for renovations, and then you get this downtown gig at the Gramercy Park Hotel. Yeah. For those that don't live in New York, you're moving from Midtown East or Upper East Side yeah. to Gramercy, which is sort of downtown. Yeah, hipper. Definitely how, how, hipper. Did, how did that change your career in some ways, getting exposure to this kind of new demographic? Oh, I loved it. It was closer to where my friends lived. Yeah. You know, so like a Lower East Side was close, so we started getting a lot more, um, you know. Friends finally started to come to shows. Yeah, yeah, they did yeah. it. They did it at the Rose Bar, but it was, I mean, they did it at the Plaza, but it was like a special occasion. Right. You, know, you have to like, kind of suit up to get yeah, there. And back yeah. then, like half of my friends didn't go above Houston Street. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's World I, ends I, at 14th I barely Street. Did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what was that like? Because you know, back in 2011, for those that don't know, you know, because like you and I know, and it sounds pretentious, and it is, but like Rose Bar back in 2011 was like that was the closest I had ever experienced, like a Studio 54 kind of vibe. Oh yeah, it, it was a it, fun place. It was yeah. insane. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the people just coming through there. What was it like being in that? environment? Environment having a residency two nights a week, you know, uh, it was cool, man. It was an honor. It was our first real big gig in in, in New York. You yeah, know what I mean, it was for our first like opportunity that that I could seize. You know what I mean? And it took time. It took a it took a good five or six months to get that place busy. And now it's busy every Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but that took time. It took work, and it t- still takes work. I still have to post about it. I still got to tell people where I'm at. You know, I still respond to all my DMs. People say, you know, because now we're all over the place. People always texting yeah. me like, "Hey, you at Rose Bar tonight?" I'm like, "Yes, I'm here." You know, yeah. I mean, I'm there. I'm, come down. I'm not. In, I don't live in Vegas. People yeah. I live I in Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, talk to me about that because you have this amazing show in Vegas. Or oh, that's fun, man. Yeah, Brian Newman fun. After Dark. Thanks, man. But, you know, there's always that saying, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. Which is true. Yeah. And you did make it. Then I feel like Vegas is another level of making it. What does it feel like to like... Oh, man. You know what I feel like in Vegas? In New York, I feel like I'm in the batter's box swinging with like three rings on my bat. Yeah. When I get to Vegas, I feel like I'm swinging like a... Like a fucking toothpick, yeah. you, know, uh, you, you know. You know, like like my thoughts of what Las Vegas was back yeah. in the day, and and to be able to bring that show, a kind of, a kind of show like that back in a, in a modern traditional way, totally is 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 just a dream come true. It's an honor to be there, and we've had such great great special guests. We've had Ashanti, we've had Gaga, of course, we've had because she had um, a residency. You were doing some of her shows. We as do. Well. Well, I'm on the band leader for Lady Gaga's Jazz Orchestra in Las Vegas. Is which that is, still reoccurring? 
touring? Yeah, we'll be. We have five more shows uh, uh, before the end of May. I got to come to one of those. Uh, th- those are really fun. That's, it's a thirty-piece orchestra made up some of the best wow. musicians on the West Coast. Um, did you get to curate some? I, I did. Yeah. Wow. What was that like? You know, I mean, Man, it's ama- it's amazing. Well, I knew a lot of the guys, you know, because um, we had played in Vegas uh, a couple times before, yeah. and uh, you know, worked with other orchestras. So I had, I had known kind of who I want had wanted. Yeah. So what I just I just got together with some of my favorite of those musicians that I liked and you know pick their brains and who they like to play with because as much as it is for me being with guys in a band that I want to be with because it's my quintet in Las Vegas plus 25 other musicians um, so wow. it's still my band and then Lady Gaga so it's like and our band r- arranges all the music for that so it's like you know we were writing parts for 20 for 30 people you know wow. what I mean 31 including 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 the lady so it's it's uh it's it's amazing man it's an honor and to be able to get our 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 favorite style of music yeah. balls to the wall in Las Vegas at a, for a 6000 seat auditorium that yeah. you know like song, certain songs man and she sings she gets standing ovations like four or five times a night I bet. and you can hear a pin drop like totally. she's singing about it's she's one of the most beautiful singers and musicians and I mean it's just humans and, and I'm not just saying that because you know you know so much of music is is subjective but I feel like her talent is objective yeah, you know yeah. what I mean oh, man. just, well, just yeah. like the same yeah. with you man oh man well, I don't know and, about that and, and and then talk to me about Showboat Showboat was a little bit Showboat was a, an opportunity a great opportunity that we had with Verve Records um, Danny Bennett who's Tony Bennett's son uh, and Dave Bennett who's Tony Bennett's other son recorded Eyes on the City wow and did you do that at Electric Lady Cheek to Cheek and Eyes on the City were recorded at at Avatar, which is now I forget what it's called. Boston yeah. Universe. I think Berkeley bought it. It's in it's in Manhattan. It's in Manhattan. Danny then Danny had told me that he wanted he he had just gotten the job with Verve Records and he wanted to sign me to Verve and do a record there. Um, so of course I would say I, I'd jump on the chance to do that because yeah. you know it's a legendary label and and uh, you know to be be with a major label you know I thought was going to be a good a good thing. And what was that experience like for you? I mean, you don't have to name. No, it, it was it was amazing, man. I mean, yeah. you know, from, from start to finish. I mean, I think a lot of the problems with the record companies too is 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 that, and in, in my experience, it's like you know they have a certain ideal for you, but maybe that's not really what you were doing in the first place. You know what I Going mean? Going back so, to the authenticity. Yeah, yeah. Like we made a, the record that we wanted to make. And and without Danny and him and, and the people that Verve that I knew that knew me, we wouldn't have, we, that record would have been totally different. Uh, so, so yeah, so fast forward and, uh, you know, it was, it was just a great opportunity, man. Yeah. The, the, everybody I met there was amazing. The team is amazing there, but you know, you never know. And, and sometimes it just doesn't work out, you know? So we're back. We just, we just cut another, we did two days in the studio. Uh, we recorded 18 tracks. So maybe two records, maybe one record. We'll see. Wow. We'll see what happens. Amazing, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever put Showboat out is that who's going to put this uh, out? No, no, no more Verve. So okay, we're, okay. We're, we're free agents. Amazing, free agents. Yeah, wow. yeah. There's been some talks with some other labels, but I'm not sure if we wouldn't even need to go that yeah, route. Yeah, you know? I don't, I mean, I don't I, think you I don't, do. Why would you? At, at this point, you can put it on Spotify yourself. Enough yeah, pe- enough people why do cut it. the man in? You know, um, we're talking to people that are in the business. So you know, the only thing that is good about having a label is like is what a musician can afford is marketing, PR. Those yeah. are two huge things that a label will provide that would cost a normal person. You you know, thirty up to thirty grand a month, totally. or you know, ten grand, fifteen. You know, it could yeah. cost as much as you want to spend. You know, and you, nothing's guaranteed. But at least when you're with a label, it's not necessarily your money. Totally. <laughs> and then, as a jazz musician, what's it like going from like you know doing these amazing covers and and rearrangements to doing your own original material? Is that something you oscillate between at, at Gramercy? Like, do you always try to get the the hits in and then your tunes? Yeah, the originals? we try to just mix them in because they're yeah. you know they're all kind of in the same style, the yeah. same vein of what we normally do. It's just that that kind of 
I call it like New York, New York rock jazz. Totally. I, you know, and I, I, like I said, I don't like the word jazz really, but what else are you going to call it? Yeah, it's improvisational. It's 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 gritty. It's rock and roll. And know, are, like, are, to this day, are you guys always kind of creating an improv? Yeah, wow, totally. So and we to, totally and when we always we have rehearsals. Uh, and uh, I imagine know. that that you know you talked about how you how you've had a lot of band members be with you for X amount of yeah. time. I imagine that takes a degree of trust. Oh yeah, yeah. But it yeah. makes the band so much tighter. Like, totally. The band right yeah. now is the best incantation of the band that we've ever had. And yeah. It's just like I've never been happier with with not only the playing but just the mindset of everybody and just the the, the friendship and the and yeah. the camaraderie and just the, the what we can bring to people. What, totally. What, what what we can do, you know, and we're having fun doing the things that we get to do. Yeah. You know. And then what was it like doing the Stars Born song on that soundtrack? You did Love the yeah, Inner Rose, that, right? That was crazy, though, because we recorded that in New York with, you know, and, and uh, I, this is, you know, you, all of a sudden it's just a masterpiece. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Are you like anywhere connected to this? Like, do you ever just be like, sit back and be like, that's pretty cool. Or are you still no, just like, I just, I, I just want to do more. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I'm never really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm glad yeah. that we're doing the things that we're doing, but I'm always kind of looking to the next thing. I, I'm kind of yeah. re- reading ahead. And you then know like the I mean? Grammys were two weeks ago and, and your commercial Dude, came that, out. That was great too. I, yeah. um, that's, that's, that, and that's the room we play the raise Vegas. That's our, our own Vegas residency. That's the wow. nomad restaurant. Yeah. So that that's a, Man, the room is perfect, man. Wow. It's perfect. That's and then amazing. the food is great, the atmosphere, the drinks, you know, it's really just a killer, killer spot. So what, what's inspiring you now, brother? I mean, you said you got this new record you might be working on. Well, yeah. like, what is keeping that momentum from you ever being like, yeah, I'm, I'm bona fide. You know what just, I mean? Just never, I feel like a lot of people would be yeah, in your just, position. Just never stopping, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't stop. It's like I have a couple days off, maybe one day off a week. You know what I mean? Sunday, I, I put in my, a new water pump in my Thunderbird yesterday. That, oh, that wow. was, that was a fun day for me. Yeah. I took the day off. I still got grease all over my. Yeah. I had to scrub with a with a with a toothbrush and pumice stone before I got here. But I love working on my old. Yeah. I love working on that. I love listening to music. You feel like being a father and being a husband yeah, has, has created a drive that's like okay, I've got two other humans I got to account for. Totally, and, yeah. and you know what? And my wife Angie Pontani, you know she's she's uh, she's an artist as well. She's a, a incredible yeah. burlesque dancer yeah. and, and just and a producer and and just um what always up, Angie? Yeah. always has uh, always has great advice for me. Always you know listens to me, puts up with my bullshit. Amazing, um, you know keeps me in check. So yeah. I think maybe that's why. I think if I was single and, yeah. and maybe all this was happening, I would have a bigger head. But yeah. because I have a Jersey Italian yeah. wife from New Jersey, That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I'm pretty. I'm just pretty humble. I love that. <laughs> I'm constantly humbled, Ryan. <laughs> That's amazing, man. And and for the artists out there that are struggling, you know, because now it's it's tough for people to in 2020 just to move to New York City with five hundred dollars. I don't want to say it can't be no, done, I but you I need I, more. You know, or you living in like deep Queens, like or in, you know East New. York yeah, or Long Island, yeah, you know, you don't so be. like for those people that are living in, you know, I grew up in Richmond, you grew up yeah. in Cleveland, like, yeah. and they, and they do have those dreams. What advice would you give them? You got to go for it, man. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's any other, if you feel it in your heart, there's no one that can stop you. Even, it took me eight years to work full time as a musician in New York City. So like, that's not. I've been here since 2003. So yeah, seven, eight years, I was not doing music full time. So that's like, that's like the sands of time have run out yeah. at some point. You know what I mean? Like, and, but, and the amazing thing about your stories, it, it sounds like so much of what came your way was because of those other things. Yeah. That, and the people you met there. Totally. Yeah. And it was the way that I handled those things. With it's Lady like, Gaga, with, yeah. with the plaza and the Oak Room. Totally. And yeah. even, even with my other jobs, it's like, even when you're working in New York, like I got to, you know, this is a good anecdote. I was working at, I was a busboy at, at, at a restaurant and fancy restaurant. They just, open i remember like i was just like 
I was just depressed, man. Yeah. And like, I was working and I was like, fuck this fucking, like, and I was like, I threw a dish like in the, in the pit. Yeah. yeah. Like in the, in the, you know, yeah. like, like not at the dishwasher. Yeah. I was always, I was always, I'm always nice to people. You know yeah. what I mean? But, and like one of the managers saw me and he took me downstairs and just like yelled at me. He was just like, are you going to be here or are you not going to be here? You know, I was like, cause you can leave. But if you're going to be here, you're going to work. After that, I went back upstairs and I was just like, and he was right. You know what I mean? And I had just, I had lost my Cleveland attitude of no matter what you do, you'd be the best at, you yeah. can be at it. You know, if I'm going to be a busboy, I'm going to be the best goddamn busboy. If I'm going to be a waiter, I'm going to be the best that, that I can. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm going to try my hardest. I'm going to meet people, get my business card out. You stay know? positive. Stay positive yeah. and just be, and be there. Because people you can know sense I mean? negative. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. I, we've all had that cunny waiter being like, what well, the fuck's this guy's? Yeah, you know, you know maybe, maybe yeah. her boyfriend broke up with yeah. her that day. And yeah. you know, you know, you, you don't know. know. Yeah. It's the same thing when somebody's laying on the horn and you're in the car. Yeah. You're just like, ah, oh, shit, maybe his wife's not, maybe his wife's leaving him or, yeah. you know what I mean? Or like, you never know what's going on in someone else's head and what's going on in their day. So it's, it's hard to, um, I don't know. That was a wake up call and a reminder from how I used to be and what my, how my parents had raised me. And, you know, Cleveland and, and I'm sure Richmond is the same. Is yeah. that tough, like blue collar? For like, sure. like, you know, you, you pull yourself up. You know, yeah. you, there's no, there's nobody's going to give you shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nobody why gave we me, start yeah. podcasts. Yeah. Exactly. 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 <laughs> That's amazing, man. Well, you know, Brian, so you got, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays at Gramercy Park Hotel yeah. here in New York City mm-hmm. at 21st and Lex. Yeah. You have Saturdays at Fire and Rare. Fine and Rare. Yeah. Fine and Rare. Fine and Rare. Right, Fine. right. 37. Street uh, between Fifth and Madison, right over here. I got to check that yeah. out. And then, where else can people catch you in Vegas? So I can give. The we'll be in Vegas in February. We'll be in LA soon. That's that being announced pretty soon. Amazing. Um, uh, everything's on my website, BrianNewman.com. BrianNewman.com. Yeah. And then, uh, parting words. You know, in, in, any advice, any things that are inspiring you? Any, you know, for those listening out there that yeah. that, that want to be Brian Newman or want to be in Brian Newman's band. You know, and, be a doctor. Do something <laughs> else. No, no. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you make more money, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I think I think you know just don't give up and be be true to yourself. You know you don't have to change things about your whatever whatever you're selling, whatever your your passions are. You know you can be true to yourself and still make it make yeah. it good. You can make it happen as long as you're a good person. Be relentless in the best sense of the yeah, term, and and, re- and relentless and and humble and and remember to yeah. always stay like that. that's what I really I love about your story is how humble you say you know. Man. I just don't think everyone that I've ever met that like is 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 that is a, a superstar. Is, is has no hint of ego. I mean, maybe there's ego, but yeah. they're not. They're not going to be mean to someone. They're not going to talk down to someone. They're not going to. You know, people like that don't last long in the industry, and it's just. It's just. No, there's no point in it. You just got to. You know, be yourself. There's room for everyone in and this are, world. Are you still? I know you often write songs of Lady Gaga's with her. Are you still doing that? Yeah, we do arrangements with her. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We for a lot of for for the for the jazz performances in uh, in Vegas. Amazing. Yeah, we That's did. Awesome. We did. We did. Uh, there was a record on the Showboat. Please don't let me be misunderstood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not one of our songs. That's a Nina Simone. Song written by the an- the animals uh, uh, the classics five I can't yeah I saw it had four. like two million streams yeah, yeah oh yeah, man yeah, yeah it's crazy yeah. I lo- I'm, I'm glad that I'm, I'm very honored that she came and did that song with it yeah well dude we'll have to have you back yeah. when the next record comes out I usually like to end uh, music segments with with a piece of the musician's work uh, is there a song that you think would be fitting to play oh, right now man I like um, I like that jockey full of bourbon jockey full of bourbon yeah all right here it is jockey full of bourbon by Brian Newman. A million 
in a drop-dead suit Touch pink on a downtown train Two-dollar pistol, but the gun won't shoot I'm in the corner in the pouring rain Sixteen men on a dead man's chest And I've been drinking from a broken cup Two pairs of pants and a Moa hair vest I'm full of bourbon and I can't stand up Hey, little bird, fly away home Your house is on fire, your children are alone Hey, little bird, fly away home Your house is on fire, your children are alone Shit for broken bottle on Morgan's hand And I've been stepping on the devil's tail Across the stripes of a full moon's head And through the bars of a Cuban jail Bloody fingers on a purple knife Flamingo drinking from a cocktail glass I'm on the lawn with someone else's wife Admire the view from the top of the mast Hey, little bird, fly away home Your house is on fire, your children are alone Hey, little bird, fly away home Your house is on fire, your children are alone show rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts thank you for listening